0: The following podcast is brought to you by the Station dot com. Thank you for listening.
1: Good morning, beloved family. How
2: are you doing? It is the Feast of the Visitation in the old calendar today. It's just a wonderful, wonderful feast. Um, When Mary was just told um, uh, by the angel Gabriel that she would bear the very Son of God and that Elizabeth was with child, Elizabeth in her old, old age, Um, And Mary went off to visit Elizabeth, who would be the forerunner of the Messiah, whose son would be the forerunner of the Messiah. And as um, Mary reached Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And I've, I've always pictured when I read that, that the baby who was John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb uh, would bow to the child in Mary's womb, who is God. And um, I may have mentioned once before, we've had it in a past newsletter, that um, there's a beautiful Russian painting, and probably other paintings of just that, of the scene of Russia behind, and Elizabeth uh, with John the Baptist in her womb, bowing to Mary, and uh, with Jesus in her womb, bowing to Jesus in Mary's womb. It's just so, so, so glorious, so, so beautiful. Um, You know, I I almost wish um, there's so much to talk about about that feast, but um, uh, tomorrow is uh, the day before. uh, Well, it begins the July 4th weekend, so we're going to be speaking to you about um, July Fourth, the um, seventeen 70, seventy-six, um, and the foundation of our country. Um, when the statue of um, King Edward the Third was toppled, and now some two hundred and forty years later, we're toppling the statues of our history. It's just insane, insane. We're destroying the country that we fought a revolution to found, and now it is being, I think, completely destroyed. It's just a, that's not a hopeful sentence. I'm not hopeful about this. Uh, is it too late to turn it around? I don't know that, but um, it just doesn't appear that it's going to be. If we had a moral government, we do with president trump blessed be god for him but if we had a um, if we were still a moral country if we still had a moral government we might be able to turn it around but uh there's evil running rampant in our country and i i think there is time now for us to repent as a people and to turn to god and to follow him which is why I've been so camped, so to speak, not only on the restoration of the family, but the survival of the family, which I believe will not happen apart from uh, not just homeschooling, but I've been reading an article by Father John Harden, written 30 uh, some odd years ago, and he doesn't choose the words homeschooling, he chooses home education because that's what God gave the family. That is the vocation of parents, not just the mother, but the mother and the father, to educate their children at home. And again, as I mentioned yesterday, uh, there's no mother that does not homeschool or home-educate her child from the moment the child is conceived in the womb and then born into the world from her womb. And then for the first few years... um, up until age four, five, six, when parents begin to turn their children over to this evil world, uh, God never intended you, to, uh, anybody, to send them out into the public schools or even Catholic schools or private schools. Uh, but to homeschool them, to home educate them, to keep the home as the means of growth in every way for every human being, and uh, raise them from childhood into adulthood. I'm going to continue this article by Father John Harden, and he said to begin with, and we read that. And I will not go over it for time's sake. He said, "What is home education?" And that's that was fairly extensive. We, we read it yesterday, um, and the, just the basic first. definition, home education is the development by the parents of the whole personality of a child from infancy to adulthood. Okay. Um, uh, And it it is education rather than schooling because it draws out from the Latin word educare the natural and supernatural potentialities of a person. Um. And uh, only the when we think of schooling, we're kind of thinking in compartments. Um, now we do this, now we do school. Well, that's true in a practical uh, daily routine. But homeschooling has to do with, home education has to do with everything, including schooling, including uh, study, including sports, including play, including worship, everything. So let me go on now with uh, the second point which is why is home education necessary for the survival of the catholic family why and it's not for the um just for a good catholic family it's the survival of the catholic family um and uh father john Harton writes parents are primary sources of grace what is grace grace is the life of god within our soul and so God works through parents to the children. Parents are the primary sources of grace. No one reaches heaven without divine grace. No one receives this grace except through another human being who is the channel of this grace. Parents are the primary channel of this grace for their children. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We will take your calls and emails today. Um, so call in with anything that uh, that's on your heart. Uh, we'll take your calls and emails at the second break. The toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back.
3: Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSight in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you.
1: Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam
2: Live, and we are reading through an article by Father John Harden, which this, I should say, venerable Father John Harden, which he wrote about 30 years ago on the uh, survival of the Catholic family and why home education is necessary, not a good idea, but necessary for the survival of the Catholic family. Now, I would like to take your calls at the next next break so I'm going to read this straight through so we can see if we can complete Father Harden's writings. We're on the second point which is why home education is necessary for the survival of the Catholic family and uh, Father Harden has just said that parents are primary the primary sources of grace for their children. And he continues, we are here to say much more than meets the ear. We are saying that in God's ordinary providence, the parents are the main instruments of supernatural light for their children's minds. They are channels of spiritual strength for the children's wills. And in a word, the parents are the principal conduit by which God communicates the graces that children need to reach heaven and save their souls. This primary Um, This primacy as channels of grace for their children comes from the sacrament of matrimony, which Catholic parents have received. Matrimony assures them of a lifetime of God's grace to love each other in faithful charity and chastity until death. I I said I wasn't going to comment. I know this seems like an ideal and a fairy tale today because... The family is so broken, but we can restore it, beloved. This is God's ideal. This is his plan. This is his desire for you if you're married or you will be married. Matrimony also assures them um, of a lifetime of God's grace for the upbringing of their children in loving obedience to God as a precondition for reaching a heavenly destiny. Okay, Um, the purpose of marriage is to raise families for heaven, nothing less, and there can be nothing more. Excuse me, I have to make a little adjustment on this end. All right, hold on now. Okay, we're good. One of the great blessings of modern home education is that it is um, it is waking up so many parents to their God-given responsibility. In the providence of God, he allows no evil or suffering without intending to draw a greater good, precisely as occasioned by the evil or pain. The widespread secularization. Oh, I'd like to speak the rest of the hour on that one, but I need to continue. The widespread secularization of organized education in so many parts of the Western world has served as lightning and thunder to arouse complacent parents. From their complacency, they are beginning to ask themselves, what is our duty as parents? What should we do to join forces with other dedicated fathers and mothers who are making such great sacrifices for the home education of their children? And finally, the third point is, how is home education to be provided, not only for the survival, but for the progress of the Catholic family? As we enter the 21st century, as I said, Father Hardin wrote this about 30 years ago, we are well into the 21st century now, and things are not good at all. So, the point three um, Father says, as we enter the third part of our conference, which, of course, this is uh, transcribed from Father's conference, I wish to make one thing clear. What I am sharing with you is no more human, no mere human pedagogy. It is not the science of psychology or of educational methodology. It is nothing less than a mystery of faith. If I were to offer one passage from the New Testament that summarizes the whole doctrine, it occurs in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, where... The Apostle tells us, quote, for those who love God, everything works together unto good. Romans eight twenty eight. And if you go to read that passage, it's in the midst of uh, trials, uh, bad trials, darkness, that God works everything together for good. The rest of that verse is to those who love him and who are called by his purpose. What is St. Paul saying, Father Hardin continues, He is telling us that if we are united with God in our love, he will use us to accomplish his divine plans. Or, put in other words, depending on our union with God's will, by our practice of virtue, he will use us as channels of his grace. Let me be clear, Father Hardin says. This is not merely giving others a good example, which we should. It is not merely that no one... Uh, gives what he does not have, which is obvious. It is much deeper. It means that in the measure of our wills, being conformed with the will of God, and the measure that we love God, he will infallibly use us to achieve the designs that he wants to achieve, especially in the lives of others. That's a huge, huge... I have to read that again. It's just too good. Think of this, parents and those who are responsible for others. In the, it means, when God works all things together for good, it means that in the measure of our wills being conformed with the will of God and the measure with which we love God, he will infallibly use us to achieve the designs that he wants to achieve, especially in the lives of others. I find that incredibly hopeful and even miraculous beloved father continues what does this mean for home education means everything in the degree that parents love god god will use them to teach and train their children if the parents have a strong faith god will use them to teach and train their children if the parents um Uh, have a strong faith, God will use them to strengthen the faith of their children. If the parents are humble, they will effectively teach humility to their children. Effectively, beloved. If parents are truthful and hopeful and patient and chaste and charitable and prayerful, God will use them as his chosen means of teaching and training their offspring in trust and hope and patience and chastity and prayerfulness. There it is, beloved. You want to raise children for heaven. There it is. If parents, I'm going to reread this. We have a minute. I'm going to reread this. If the parents have a strong faith, God will use them to teach and train their children. And don't worry about it, beloved. Um, Don't worry about your knowledge. Faith is the issue. Your example of loving God is the issue. Everything else you you can get from good, solid Catholic curriculum. If the parents have a strong faith, God will use them to teach and trade their children. If the parents have a strong faith, God will use them to strengthen the faith of their children. If the parents are humble. They will effectively teach humility to their children and listen to this. If parents are truthful and hopeful and patient and chaste and charitable and prayerful, God will use them as his chosen means of teaching and training their offspring in trust and hope and patience and chastity and prayerfulness. How are you going to teach your children all those things? By being what you wish them to become. Prayer. Um, Let me see now. Well, Father, ends with a prayer to our beloved mother, who certainly knows how to homeschool her own children. That's why she gave us the rosary, to meditate on all the mysteries of her son, because she's homeschooling her children. And Father John Harden prays, Mary, mother of God and mother of the Holy Family, obtain from your divine son the graces which home-teaching Catholic parents so desperately need in our day the grace to see their great privilege as channels of grace for the children and the grace to serve as channels of grace, even at the cost of living martyrs' lives in our day. Amen. Of living martyrs' lives in our day. And I tell you, if you remain faithful to your faith and you teach your children, and that is not just... um, academic subjects but everything holiness and chastity and and manners and etiquette and and worship if you just go to mass which is getting harder by the day um and that's what you call worship uh you're not going to train you're not going to even give your children an idea of worship if you worship god you worship him in everything you do and say. You worship him in everything you don't do and that you don't say. You worship him all day long in in cleaning and in teaching and in driving and in errands and all of that. You, you are an example to your children of what it is to worship God. Mom, why can't I do that? Why all the kids are doing it? Why can't I? Well, sweetheart. Do you think that that's an act of worship? No, but I'm not in church. Worship is the act of the entire body and heart. Do you think that would bring glory to God? What do you mean by that? Do you mean, do you think the, when we give glory to God, we reflect his attributes as if people are looking at a mirror when they look at us, they see God. That's what it means to glorify God, to magnify all his attributes, and you can teach your children. Will that bring glory to God? Mom, come on, it's not. In everything we do and say, that's training for heaven. And you can teach your children by your love, by your example, not by books and what you say, but by your own example and love for God. You can teach them to love God and to worship him and to put him above all and to be missionaries in this very, very fallen, hurting world. Um, it, it's a tremendous... Uh, Archbishop uh, Chapu, now retired uh, from Philadelphia when he was Archbishop of Denver, he he wrote a book, um, and he said, Oh, my goodness, I can't possibly forget the name of this book, and I can't bring it to mind right now. Um, Oh, I'm sorry about that. It's a purple book. And he said in there that the greatest uh, way, the greatest way a father can love his children is to love his mother. The greatest means of a mother loving her children is to love their father because children learn by what they see. If they see love, they learn love. If you shower love on them, but you don't love and respect one another as spouses, they will see hypocrisy, they will grow up insecure and angry. Only if they see a mother and father loving each other will it bring them security and teach them that they are loved. There's the music for our break, beloved. call in with anything on your heart toll free1877511. Five four eight three, or email at mother at com.
3: We'll be right back. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family.
0: Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. The Christian faith advances through testimony. Jesus gives testimony to the Father. The apostles give testimony to the resurrection. You
3: and I give testimony of how Jesus changes our lives. In the Silent No More Awareness campaign, men and women are speaking out about the wound of abortion and the healing power of Jesus.
0: Let's hear and spread their testimonies. Visit priestsforlife.org. This is Father Frank Pavone,
3: National Director of Priests for Life.
2: half hour together and i'm thrilled for it and our lines are wide open so call in with anything on your heart uh does not have to be our topic um uh, toll free call or text at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the we have an email from marcy who writes mother miriam Thank you for all the good work you, uh, you and your sisters do. Thank you, Marcy. A few weeks ago, she says, you mentioned that you and your sisters pray with the monastic diurnal. It's actually the, yes, it is the Benedictine monastic diurnal. I've been using the breviary of the Liturgy of the Hours, which took a little while to learn, but I ordered a monastic diurnal so I could pray with you and your sisters. My goodness. Um, okay, I, I, there there's several points about that um, that I, I won't go into now. Um, The Benedictine monastic diurnal uh, does not have all of the holy days that the Roman breviary does. Uh, And I don't even mean the Liturgy of the Hours, which has others as well. Um, So as long as you know that, um, you'll be missing a number of things. But it's fine to pray it. Um Marcy says, would you please explain how to play pray lauds or prime or vespers with the monastic diurnal or can you recommend a guide? Yes, it's better that I recommend a guide to you. Um and uh, you you can go to this uh the website Saints Will Arrive. Arise, rather, Saints S A I N T S will arise. A R I S E and you will see everything it's the entire uh, day-by-day explanation of the monastic diurnal it gives you the entire year what pages to be on it gives you an introduction to it how to pray it it explains the whole diurnal and how to use it so saints will arise uh just tremendous Um, The next question Marcy has, says, has to do with the distribution of the Eucharist. Since my church has reopened, we have had some restrictions placed on us. One is that the Eucharistic minister, the Eucharistic minister, and she points out, not the priest, not the deacon, brings the chalice and host to each of us in the pew. We can receive only in the hand. I have chosen not to receive while I am required to receive in the hand. I know that the church asks me to take communion at least once a year so I can wait until I can receive on the tongue. This last Sunday, she writes, however, the Eucharistic minister brought the chalice to everyone in the pew. I don't think, I think you mean the ciborium, not the chalice. The chalice is for the, for the precious blood. But instead of offering them a host, the Eucharistic minister held the chalice toward each person, and each person, except me, she writes, took a host out of the chalice. This is just, this is Twilight Zone. Mother, I was horrified, as well you should be, Marcy. That is absolutely horrifying that our Lord would be treated as a potato chip that you take from a bowl how awful she said it was as if as if he were or, or offering a bowl of chips there you go was my response merited of course it was or am i being too sensitive to how god is handled by the laity thank you no you're not being too sensitive marcy it is utterly horrifying uh no eucharistic minister should have done that even if ordered by the priest No Eucharistic minister should have done that. No deacon or priest should have done that. And it's just absolutely horrifying. I wish the Catholic laity were more educated and every single person would have refused it. Every single person would have refused it. Uh, The priest cannot believe that's God to treat him like that. Nor the Eucharistic minister. Nor the Eucharist... No one believes uh, in that church that the Eucharist is God who can distribute Holy Communion in such an abominable way. We have an email from Juan who says, Hi, I'm Juan from California. Hi, Juan. I wanted to follow up on the issue of guilt. I voted for Donald Trump because of his pro-life stance, as did the rest of my family. But I sometimes, but I do feel guilty for having done so because of some of his immigration policies. How do I live with those facts? Oh, dear. Um, Let me... uh, Okay, I'm going to finish Juan's email. And lastly, how do I overcome the guilt when I root for a candidate because of their pro-life stance but then decide to launch a war in Iraq... um, such as george bush did i myself would never go to war like that but even to this day i feel guilty that our military went in like that how do i move forward thanks and that's my final question now for regarding guilt and once again thank you for your response on june 29th god bless you juan my dear soul you should have no guilt whatsoever. The choice of voting for a pro-life candidate is paramount and always the highest choice. always the highest choice. Abortion is the direct murder of millions of children. It's the direct murder of children or whether just or not the work the the church teaches. Uh, that there's there's it's it's uh, moral for a just war yes to defend life but if you believe it's an unjust war it's still going in uh, to fight for certain things and for certain freedoms it is not the direct intention to kill a child in its mother's womb and so even though men are killed in war um, uh, we pray that the numbers are very small, and it's always a tragedy. Um, but it, it's, there's nothing to compare with murder, direct murder, not chance murder. If you go to war, uh, you hope you don't have the, uh, the uh, not the chance, but the situation of murdering someone. You pray for that. But uh, when you perform an abortion you directly murder a child and if you pray for a candidate who approves of abortion you will be in part responsible for every murder produced in this country because you have put in a candidate who has let it be known that he is in favor of murdering children in their mother's wombs there's a great difference there juan and so uh, your guilt is misplaced. I think you need to apologize to God uh, and even go to confession for your guilt because it's wrongly placed. You're deciding that this, what you consider an unjust war, is a graver matter than directly murdering millions of children. And it's not. It's not, Juan. So sometimes we have to choose the best of the worst. Sometimes we need to choose the best of the worst. And um, voting for pro-life candidate is always going to be the best. If you have more than one candidate who's pro-life, then you can choose on other, other things. But always on moral issues, same-sex marriage, stem cell embryonic research, um, uh, euthanasia, contraception, abortion There's no such thing as same-sex marriage, but so-called marriage. Um, Those are the things, the moral things, that matter to God above all else. And that is what must be first in our decision to vote for a candidate. We have a text from someone who writes in anonymously and asks, how did our dear Lord distribute communion at the Last Supper? Did he put it directly in their mouth? Um, I don't think so, also the years after. So I really don't understand how communion in the hand is that terrible as to refuse reception that way when done with extreme reverence. You cannot put communion in the hand with extreme reverence. You choose reverence or you choose desecration. You cannot put communion in the hand with extreme reverence. It's impossible. You, as a priest, the priest, I'm not speaking of Eucharistic ministers. I know the church allows them. I don't think they should exist, but the church allows them, so I'm not saying they shouldn't exist. Communion on the tongue is the norm. The church allows communion in the hand, so I won't say it's not sin if the church allows it, but I think it's a desecration. Um... The priest, the only one who should distribute Holy Communion, to people who are kneeling and have their heads tilted backwards and their tongues out. Um, And if he knows properly how to distribute Holy Communion, he would never touch the tongue. The host will only touch his sacred, um, consecrated hands and be put on the tongue of people. Otherwise, He's putting the host into someone's hands who's touched all kinds of things, who is not, the hands are not consecrated, and they've taken off their jackets and touched the pews and looked in their purses and put their hands in their pockets and done all kinds of things before they've received that Eucharist. Their hands are not only not consecrated, they're not sacred, they're not even clean. And then they pick up with their other hand, the host, like you pick up a normal piece of bread and put it in your mouth. Now you're handling it uh, a second time. And because you take it off your hand and you don't take it with your mouth and lick your hand, there's particles on your hand. It's dropped on the floor and people step on our Lord. There's no possibility of reverence with communion in the hand. And what I suggest... I read an article <clears throat> by, um, I can't answer what our Lord did at the Last Supper, um, but the fact is, our Lord is God, so his hands were perfect, and he had just instituted the priesthood. And so at that Last Supper, all of them were bishops. All of them were consecrated. A little different than a Eucharistic minister. Um or uh, anybody else distributed communion in the hand, quite different. Um, What I suggest is you go to LifeSite News and look up uh, John Henry uh, Weston. Uh, He's the uh, co-founder and editor of LifeSite News. And I printed out his uh, talk on the John Henry Weston show. And it was... um, A few days ago, it could have even been over the weekend, and it's five reasons why we should never receive communion in the hand. Again, the church allows it. I don't say it's sin, but five reasons why we should not receive communion in the hand. And I suggest you watch that video all the way through, or you can print it out as well from LifeSite News. Again, I did print it out, and I read it through completely completely. Uh, i remember if it was the beginning of this week or next week or last week rather we have an email from nadine nadine dear mother miriam please explain jesus title as the word of god thank you and god bless you sincerely nadine the word of god in the old testament god came to the people through the prophets the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord was, it, it wasn't written, it wasn't spoken, it was God himself giving people his word. The word of the Lord came to the prophets and God is the word, the representation of, of God let me continue that when we come back from the, uh, the break, dear ones. Call in toll-free with anything on your heart, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We'll be right back.
0: in the midst of them the liturgy of the hours is also known as the divine office and is the daily prayer of the church so you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests religious and laity throughout the world it's comprised of small reflections readings from sacred scripture and writings from saints and theologians to learn more about the liturgy of the hours visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio
1: Network. Welcome back beloved to Mother Miriam live we're
2: right in the middle and we are going to take your calls I'm just going to finish the email with Nadine our toll-free number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three Nadine asked if uh, we could explain uh, our Lord's title as the Word of God and just briefly I was saying that in the Old Testament um, God was referred to as the word um if you uh, the Word of God came to um, uh, the different prophets and uh, God spoke and the world came into being, and so the Word of God um, it is God, it's God's representation um, and so uh, the apostle John writes in the beginning was the word uh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, let me also uh, give you this uh, small paragraph from um, uh, Catholic Answers, because in Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek. Greek, the word is logos, L O G O S, and um, it means word. And um, uh, it says here, just a brief definition the word logos is the term by which Christian theology in the Greek language designates the Word of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Before St. John had consecrated this term by adopting it, the Greeks and Jews had used it to express religious conceptions, which under diverse titles have exercised a certain influence on Christian theology, and of which it is necessary to say something. And you can go and Catholic.com, type in Logos or the Word of God, and you'll get the entire article. And it, it shows you how it's used in the Greek culture, in the Jewish culture, in the New Testament, in ancient Christian literature, and so forth. But, um, God spoke the word, the world into being. He is the word, the express image, I think Paul wrote to the Colossians, of the invisible God, the image of the invisible God. So um, I once heard an illustration that might be easier for children to understand. If you write the word C-A-T, when you see C-A-T, you immediately picture this cute little thing with four legs and ears and a tail, you immediately picture it. Um, it, it's, it's the word, cat, that brings you uh, the image of the animal. And so uh, it's probably really bad. But uh, the word of God, uh, Jesus is the word. He is uh, the creator of all that exists and, um, and speaks from God. The word in the beginning was, I'm fumbling here, the, in, in the beginning, John 1, 1 was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Okay, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and that means Jesus. Jesus, all things came through him and for him, all things. He is the creator of all that exists. Okay, probably that's, you could do a lot better. Go to catholic.com, it'll be clearer. Um, Kristen on the line, hi dear one, uh, from Los Angeles, good morning.
4: Good morning. Thank you for your distinction on home education and homeschooling. That was beautiful. Good. And Father Thanks Harden also Father Harden. says, mm-hmm. yes, and he also says that the parents' work does not end until all their children are in heaven. That's right. So exactly parents who right. are in purgatory or in heaven That's still right. have work to do.
2: That's right. Good for you, Kristen. Thank you for that
4: wanted to I just wanted to ask you to distinguish between military force and murder because there's a vast vast difference.
2: Well, um, my first my first thought Kristen and perhaps you have a ready explanation there. My first thought that came to me is choice. There's a choice. When you pick up a gun to shoot someone, unless you're mentally ill or something, you have a choice. You're a human being who has made a choice. Even if it's self-defense, you've made a choice. A child in a mother's womb has no choice. There's no defense. There's no recognition of a a person. It's straight murder. And that's the first thing that came to my mind. When you have a actual...
4: Um, let's see how should i put this a military force with integrity
2: i'm going to interrupt you because we do have uh, doris on the line as well and so i'm going to ask you because i know you and you could teach a whole class on every subject um, i'm going to ask you to make it really short and
4: succinct I just want to suggest that there's a radical difference between violence and murder and military force, that right. our troops are a military force that is uh, ra- reasoned, and and it has nothing to do with murder, you know, yes, you sure. kill and mm-hmm. break things, but it is mm-hmm. not violence. it is not murder, it's not mob rule, it's not, you know, there it's are not bad- genocide,
2: it's- right, mm-hmm,
4: Right. There are vast differences, and this is how the military is trained. Good. That's
2: excellent, Kristen. Excellent. Just to even come up with the difference between that, uh, that's enormously helpful to me and to everybody listening, and to Juan, I hope.
4: Okay. I'll I'll let you go then, and uh, we'll think about this more another time.
2: Yeah. It's worth a whole program. God bless you, Kristen. Thank you. Um, as is Immigration Worth, another program. Um, we, uh, Doris, are you on the line there from Massachusetts?
5: Yes, ma- yes, Mother, Miriam. Good morning.
2: Good morning, dear one.
5: Uh, I have a question because
2: uh, yeah.
5: I'm a little stressed and, uh, you know, depressed about... I like to uh, break it up with my, uh, uh, you know, recently... Uh, Boyfriend
2: uh-huh you you're uh you're in the middle of a breakup with a new boyfriend
5: no I'm planning to uh break up with him
2: okay so how I could I prayer. help Doris how could I help
5: I need a prayer because uh, uh I just met him over a year maybe coming one year this uh, July and then now. Uh, Three months later, she, she uh have a cancer. And uh, I don't know if uh, this is a good idea to break up with him.
2: Why are you breaking up with him?
5: He's uh, kind of long-distance uh, relationship, mother. Mm-hmm so I don't know what to do. So I need, a, I need your advice and prayer.
2: Why are you Why are you so distressed and crying over it? That's the main thing, Doris. Why are you so strongly affected by breaking up with him? Do you want to break up with him? Yeah, uh, yes. If he did not have cancer, would you want to break up with him?
5: Uh, I don't
2: know. You don't know? Is the only no. problem that it's long distance? Yes. Why is that a problem?
5: I, I, I don't know, Mother.
2: Okay. All right. Well, we're at the end of the program, sweetheart. We will yes. pray for you, but you need to define these things for yourself so you don't feel guilty. I think your tears are because you f- maybe you feel more guilty than anything else. There's nothing wrong with a long-distance relationship that can definitely work out if god is bringing you together if he has cancer uh i don't know if he could be cured or not you can certainly uh just remain close to him have you spoken of marriage yet
5: no
2: no there's no problem just remain his friend so you don't feel like you've abandoned him sweetheart remain his friend don't worry about anything And um, just support him as a friend through his illness. And it doesn't matter that it's long distance. You can write each other. You can email each other. You might be able to Skype and talk, you know, over the computer. But just don't be stressed. Just remain his friend and support him. And don't go any further.
5: All right. Thank you, Mother.
2: All right, sweetheart. All right. Uh, there's our music, beloved. Um, we'll be with you tomorrow, the beginning of the July 4th weekend. God bless all of you and um, love your families. God bless
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network, a listener-funded nonprofit organization. If this podcast has helped you in your spiritual journey, please prayerfully consider donating at thestationofthecross.com by calling 1-877-888-6279 or through our free iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network Proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity.